Welcome to English in 10 Minutes, real, unscripted English conversations about people, places, and their stories. After you listen to the episode, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. On this episode of Roman Stories, I'm talking to my friend Tyson. And Tyson, you're American, but you've lived in and around Rome for, what, more than 15 years? Yeah, yeah, I moved over there in the summer of 2000. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. I bet you didn't think you'd be there that long when you moved there. No, I had no idea. But originally, you came when you came to Italy, you went to Florence, right? That's right. So the year before, I moved over as a, a foreign exchange student, essentially, and spent a semester between Siena and Florence in Tuscany. And what were you studying? Uh, modern Italian history, Italian language, uh, photography, and a bit of the nightlife. <laughs> but isn't your degree in finance in the end? It is, yeah. So I, I was able to... Um, take exclusively elective classes when I was there, which meant I didn't have to take anything within my degree program. Perfect. And then how did you then end up in Rome? Uh, I took a train, you know, sometimes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I moved back to the States, finished my university degree, and then I, I shortly realized that I wanted to go back to Italy. And it became a matter of trying to figure out how that was possible as an American citizen and what the visa works on. And, um, Etc. And what I this is the infancy of the internet. So in those days, all the research was um, at the library, believe it or not. Wow. So you found some old books and uh, on how to work abroad and things like that. And so I, it dawned on me quickly that I just had to go and I couldn't wait for the visa and I couldn't wait to get a job and then get transferred. I just had to go and, and try to find a job. And, and uh, it, it only took a few months of being back in America for that decision to be made, and then it was just a matter of waiting for my degree to finish and, and going over. And so then you get into tour guiding straight away when you got there? Practically, yeah. So my first job was working at a, a youth hostel on the Italian uh, Riviera near France. Oh, wow. And I was changing sheets and serving meals. I, I wasn't getting paid, so it was, uh, uh, I had a place to stay and I had free food, but I wasn't earning a living. So I stayed there for a few weeks. It was in August, early August, and the weather was great, and they locked us out for six hours a day so everybody just went to the beach you know and then you came back and you'd serve a meal and then that was that and then from there I, I took a night train um, from Genova up north down to Rome and within hours I had a job working at a bar in Campo de Fiore in Rome wow I hated it <laughs> absolutely hated it. but I met a waitress whose boyfriend was giving tours to the Coliseum and um, she suggested I go follow one of these you know free tours of the Coliseum. So I went the next day and followed somebody else's tour and then was hired essentially on the spot. And did you already have knowledge or Yeah, I had, some, I had some background with architectural history from my early days of before finance and business, studying architecture. Yeah. And so that was what you did? You were giving tours of the Coliseum? Yeah. So my first few months um, in Rome were actually spent, spent divided really between the working in the evenings at the bar and then working in the mornings at uh, the Coliseum giving tours. The movie Gladiator had just came out, so Rome was a hot spot. Plus, it was the Jubilee year right. of 2000, which was a you know, massive year for Catholic pilgrims. So Rome was just full of people. And eventually, you just gave up the bar work? Yeah, yeah. Two weeks, three weeks into that, I just said, no, I didn't like it. Yeah. It gets me a lot of people, but going in at 9.30 and not getting back home until four in the morning. Just could do that anywhere. Why am I doing that in Rome? And then eventually you expanded out with tour guiding and then you just 
did more tours around the city. And yeah, and I, and I kind of went back and forth. So I would go home in the winter uh, when tourism wasn't as uh, you know, popular or busy. So it was a low season. So the first couple of winters in November, December, I would go home, January, February, something like that. And then I would come back. And the first few years, it was just learning the city. You know, you start with the Coliseum, then you go into the ancient world, and slowly, slowly, you realize those are the main spots, the main sites that everybody wants to see. So you learn the Charlie Fountain, the Pantheon, you know, uh, St. Peter's, the Vatican, all that. And you just expand from there. And do you have a favorite spot among all those? Pantheon, yeah, for sure. Yeah, why? Yeah, so it's the best building in the whole city, architecturally, for sure. And historically, it's amazing. And, and the fact that it's still there, more or less in one piece. Yeah, I think it's interesting that it's a little bit under the radar. I think when people come to Rome, they're looking at the Colosseum, the Vatican, certainly as the top two. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's tourism nowadays has become, you know, it's it's the uh, the African safari. You know, you have to go see the Big Five everywhere you go. And the Big Five in Rome that doesn't necessarily have a pantheon on everybody's list because they want to see the Trevi Fountain and the Spanish Steps first because all the Instagram photos are of, you know, 20-somethings taking selfies in front of these famous monuments. And it's not necessarily the Pantheon. So you have the Colosseum, you have uh, Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's, Trevi Fountain, and then Spanish Steps, and the Pantheon is an afterthought for a lot of these people. But I think, I can't remember who who said this, and it was either a, a modern author, maybe it was something a couple hundred years ago, it could have even been Mark Twain or somebody said that, you know, he who goes to Rome and doesn't see the Pantheon comes back and asks. <laughs> I can't remember who the author was. I read that somewhere. Though. But it's a good summary of it. For sure. Right, and uh, eventually you got Italian citizenship, right? You have an Italian passport. Yeah, yeah. So the first year I, I was dodging the, not really, but I mean, dodging the authorities in the sense I wasn't legally allowed to work there, but I was working for a couple of years. And I realized shortly that, um, actually, I, I realized by accident that I had, I was born with Italian citizenship, and then it was a matter of proving that I was, and that took a couple of years. And that's ancestry on your father's side? Yeah, on my dad's side. So my great-grandparents were all born on his side, all four of them born in Italy. And then eventually you moved out of the city of Rome to a place called Santa Marinella, which is on the beach. And you were in the kind of first wave of people, I think, who started doing that, and then it became a lot more popular after that. Yeah. So why did you do that? Yeah, well, I didn't want to live with one of our roommates, so I'm sure he'll be the subject of a future podcast. He was a bit of a mess in, in Rome, and so two of us decided that we didn't want to live with him. We couldn't find a place in a decent neighborhood in Rome for the price that we were willing to pay, and we had uh, one or two other friends that were already living out on the beach, and they suggested a recommend that we just come out and stay for uh, a winter, basically eight months or something, and if we liked it, we could stay, obviously, and I loved it. Right, because you've been living there what, 12, 13 years now. Yeah, I was, I was 12, over 12 years ago now. Yeah. So basically, you can come into Rome whenever you want on the yeah, train. So it's, train short. it's actually, um, in Italian, you can say it's collegato bene, so it's connected well, meaning there are frequent trains. Um, trains are, are actually very reliable, and it's not uh, heavily trafficked. So, you, I mean, you can always get a seat on the train usually. And you speak Italian really well now, but did you struggle at the beginning with that? Yeah, it took a couple of years. You have to make an effort in Rome because so many people um, in the places where you would go in the big cities, they'll, they'll know a little bit of English. So if you don't make an effort in places like Rome or Florence, then you can get by without learning Italian. Right, you can just sort of fall into that, you know, into that trap. Very, very or... easy. Because the places that you go are restaurants and bars and, 
And those would be precisely the places where people who uh, work there might speak English. And now most of the work that you do, it's not doing tours in Rome itself. Or you still do a bit of that, but you're taking uh, people around all of Europe on, and organizing yeah. tours. Yeah, so I got into that. That was another accident. I mean, everything uh, was in the right place at the right time. I can't you know, describe how many times. And I knew the regional manager for one of these agencies that gives tours throughout Europe. And I only knew her because I used to hang out in an Irish pub with her husband. <laughs> right? So it pays off to go to Irish pubs, right? And so I had been home in the States for a season or a summer and had just moved back. And for whatever reason, I went back to that bar and, and I didn't know who would be there or anything. I just kind of went and um, he was there and his wife was there and she knew that I was already working as a tour guide and, and asked for my email address and I was able to apply for this position, which is I, the strange thing about it all is I wasn't looking for a job. So I never would have found this on my own and that was the door that got me into uh, travel guiding, essentially, throughout Europe, taking groups on, on buses. Right. So basically what you've been able to do, which a lot of people who, a lot of people in our circle and our friends in Rome, is that you've got, in terms of your citizenship, you're good there, your work, you're good there, so you've basically built real life for yourself. Yeah. There. Yeah. And it um, it wasn't a grand plan. It wasn't, I, it, I couldn't have designed it. It was, because I didn't know any of these doors were even there. Right. And it was all sort of uh, serendipitous to find all these different um, types of employment and also the citizenship and the place to live on the beach, which was perfect for somebody who travels a lot. And it all kind of um, came together. And it didn't occur to me until after it all came together that, wow, this actually is pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> and do you think you'll stay for a long time? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I'll stay in Europe for sure. Uh, in, in Italy... I mean, I speak the language, that's obviously um, a big part of the food is great, the wine is great. Uh, I've got loads of friends there. And of course, I know quite a bit about Rome, and, and I can always give tours there, so employment-wise, it's not a bad place to be, but um, the bureaucracy there is maddening. For sure. Anyway, thanks for sharing your Roman story. All right. listening to English in 10 Minutes. To download a worksheet for this episode, including the most useful vocabulary and a full transcript of the conversation, visit EnglishIn10Minutes.com. Music